听 Grandeur YYFM. You're listening to YYFM. It's time for tales around the teapot, just for you. Force Company, written and narrated by Diana Parsons. Part one, to be followed by part two next Wednesday. As he stands in his morning dress, a good foot taller than the best man beside him, the groom turns his noble head slightly to the right. I know he is looking for me, and will find me. Waiting, exactly where we have agreed I must sit. His eyes, as they meet mine, light up to the fiery green that consumes me. The whirlpool encircles, and as its swirling gains momentum, I am helpless to its pulling this willing victim down, down, down. Into the depths of his soul. We are one, he and I. He mouths our special smile and turns back to face the altar. Rodri, our mutual friend, places a firm hand on his left arm, patting it in a convivial gesture. I know what it's saying. Good man, Marcus. My love stretches out to them both. The air pulses with anticipation. Shades of every hue mingling together in the ribbon festooned pews. Bodies of all shapes and sizes are wrapped in shiny silks, lacy cottons, twilled herringbone weave. Hats nod in greeting with a gentle fluttering of bobbing feathers. Nothing but the best for this special celebration. I swallow hard, and determined to take it all in. So much preparation, so many months of planning, some moments of inexplicable joy, my own secret tears. A stealthy heaviness drapes itself silently across the shoulders of my scarlet satin jacket, and I struggle to control the desire to run, to be far away from this moment, from this place. But instead, I clench my gloved fists, and with a supreme effort, manage to raise my head, and take in a deep, deep breath. A plethora of cottage garden flowers intoxicates the air with delicate aromas of promise and love and joy. Plucked from their dew-drenched beds early this morning, they now stand tall in all their splendorous simplicity in brass urns that reflect the sun, dispatching beams of bright light to every dark corner of the vast interior of the church. I allow my gaze to settle for a moment and find my calm is restored by nature's beauty. Huh? 
and startled by a blast from the ancient organ high in the dome of the building, announcing the arrival of the Queen of Sheba, the bride. This is it. Every eye turns to witness the procession down the aisle. Every eye except mine. I summon another steadying breath, scrutinising his face as he swivels to greet his bride. The smile looks genuine, that is to the unsuspecting observer. But I know better the toll this tiny manoeuvring of his lips exerts upon him. The muscles in his neck I soothed with oil only last night are tensed and acutely visible beneath the tawny skin that covers them. His eyes are blank, like the eyes of a dead fish on the cold supermarket slab. None of the sparkle they displayed a few moments ago when our gazes met. I sent him a subliminal message, willing him to make it through the next hour. Penny, freshly coiffured and swathed in voluminous layers of cream brocade, leans heavily on the arm of her aged father. She has refused point-blank to use her wheelchair. Together they make their painful journey past the encouraging murmurs of the gathered guests. I pray they will make it. Now they are standing to face each other the bride and the groom. He lifts the veil from her face and I close my eyes and let my mind drift towards making love on the beach with the sound of the waves bathing the shore gently and the warm breeze whispering playfully across our naked bodies. Through a long tunnel I hear Penny's voice saying, I do, and oh how I know she means it. I hear him say, I do. And oh, how I know he's trying his best not to lie through his white, shiny teeth. As he announces they are husband and wife, the vicar says he can kiss the bride. The spectators burst into spontaneous applause. And with eyes hidden under the brim of my cream fedora, I force my hands together, tapping them softly. I don't look. It is done. And so it will continue. Only the thinnest sliver of paper can be slipped between us, so close our bond. The four of us inseparable from that first day of primary school until now. In the playground when bullies threatened and fists were raised, an imperceptible protective canopy of friendship encompassed us fixed itself solidly in place. It never slipped. Through all the ups and downs, it has been regularly maintained with buckets full of love, which we lavish on one another, producing an innocence of total acceptance that withstands all eventualities. We are the solid four. Penny, petite, crystal blue eyes, the needy one we all spoil a bit because of her shyness. Marcus with his aquiline nose, the proud, self-confident older brother figure who always takes us under his wing. 
Rodri, red-headed and thoughtful, deeper than the rest of us, loyal and gentle, everybody's go-to person. And me, Sarah, dark and melancholy, brown eyes with flecks of gold that relieve the sadness hidden in their depths. The one who has early on become accustomed to losing things and people and having to get over it because she is desperate to please and doesn't want to be a whinge. Even when her mother dies, when she is nine, she is told to get on with it. So she does. We meander through those tender years of learning in primary school together. Then puberty hits, and the dynamic of our close-knit group shifts ever so slightly. No one mentions it, but it's there. A subtle change. A sense of not knowing how to be as we once were. Conflicting emotions coming into play. We don't communicate as easily as we once did, but none of us is willing to admit it's happening for fear of upsetting the apple cart. Some things, once spoken, remain unsaid. Other things creep out unexpectedly when we're not ready for them and don't know how to handle the consequences. Penny becomes even more needy and one day, out of the blue, confides something she says she can't cope with. I need her to need me, so I listen interminably and unresponsibly as she unburdens herself. She is passionately in love with Marcus and wants me to help her. I keep my own turbulent thoughts in neat little folders, fired in the depths of the cluttered cabinet that is my head. No one can know what is going on in there, not even me sometimes. I don't know how to help her. Marcus is my friend too. Does she want him all to herself? And what does that mean for Rodri then? Marcus is the only true free spirit amongst us. Nothing seems to bother him. He is full of fun and laughter. One day he announces that he is taking up ballroom dancing. And of course he's brilliant at it. Penny suddenly decides she wants to join him at the classes. And I know why but he doesn't have a clue. They are partnered together and are winning medals in regional and national competitions. <laughs> Rodri and I prefer a quieter existence, out of the limelight, and take up home-based activities like stamp collecting and crafting. We continue to meet, though, yes, as a four, round one another's houses, talking about our chosen hobbies and life in general until our 15th year. Diolch am rando i YYFM am fwy o gynnwys fel hyn i ddiluniad lein ac i ar y niwbod beth offech chi gwybod nesaf 
Elchi, it's yyfm.com. Thanks for listening to YYFM. For more content like this, to follow us online, and to tell us what you want to hear more of, visit itsyyfm.com.